Hello, bookworms, and welcome to Oh, for the Love of Books. This show gives you information from the books I've read or ones you suggest for me to read. I'm your host, Jessica Vickery, and thank you for joining me. And we continue on with the next three books in the Black Dagger Brotherhood. Book 10, Lover Reborn. Ever since the death of Hishelen, Torment has been a heartbroken shadow of a vampire leader he once was. Brought back to the Brotherhood by self-serving Falling Angel, he fights again with ruthless vengeance, unprepared for a new tragedy. Seeing his beloved in dreams, trapped in a cold, isolated netherworld, Tor turns to the angel a sitter to save his former mate. The only way to rescue her is for Tor to love another. As war with the lessers rages and the new clan of vampires vie for the blind king's throne, Tor struggles between an unforgettable past and a hot, passion-filled future. But can his heart let go and set all of them free? Torment is the disowned son of Harem and the adopted son of Darius. There's some human in his bloodline thanks to his great-great-grandmother. As a boy, his father sent him to the Bloodletters camp in 1671. The time came for graduation from that brutal education. Harem neglected to show up with the other fathers to get their sons because he was too busy having sex leaving agony to fetch torment and bring him to a meeting of the Black Dagger Brotherhood. Harem was an apathetic parent at the best of times, and knowing that Tor wasn't likely to survive the night with an uncaring male to watch over him, Darius offered to take the boy with him as they hunted. Harem read the subtext correctly and took it poorly, claiming that he could bring the boy back safe and sound. Darius told him that he'd fight Harem over it if need be. Harren had never been able to best Darius, although he certainly been eager to claim the rights of the winner over those who lost to Darius, as per the rules of the Bloodletters camp. Just to spite the man and rid himself of the responsibility of parenting entirely, Harem disavowed Tor on the spot, leaving him to Darius to claim. In 1814, he was mated to his childhood sweetheart, Wellisandra. For years, their otherwise happy mating was only disturbed by regular arguments over having children. Tor didn't want to risk losing his shellin. But Welsi wanted a piece of her Helen to love if he was killed in the war. Eventually, he agreed, and when the pregnancy was confirmed... He was gripped with a terrible knowledge that he was going to lose her. When Bella brought a mute pre-trans, John Matthews, who'd been raised by a human to the Brotherhood, Tor and Welsey took the poor traumatized boy in like he was their own. Torment and John grew close as he developed and ran the training program in which John was enrolled. It was pure random chance that Lessers found and murdered her while searching for Bella. After his Shellen's death, 
Torment lived in a cave in the Adirondacks, where he fed off deer in the hope that he'd eventually starve to death. Since suicide condemns one to Dund, and he wanted to see Welsey in the fade, he couldn't take his own life. Lassiter found him and dragged him back to the Brotherhood, but it was only when he told Tor that Welsey had sent him to save him that he stopped slowly trying to commit suicide. Despite Lassiter's words, Tor was still self-destructive in the field, taking foolish risks and having no regard for his well-being. This behavior worsened as he became attracted to Autumn, for which he punished them both for his guilt over his reaction to her. Learning that Welsey was stuck in the in-between because he couldn't let go was the kick in the butt that he needed. Although it was not a quick process, but rather one that took months. With John Matthews' help, he finally packed up and sold the house where the three of them had lived. Her jewelry went to Safe Place and funded its newest addition, the Wellisandra Wing. At the Fade Ritual for Welsey and their unborn son, he revealed that his son's name would have been Torment, Son of Torment. During the ceremony, he could finally allow Welsey to go unto the Fade, and in doing so, released Lassiter and Autumn from their own purgatories. Lassiter was able to intervene to bring Autumn back from the door to the Fade and back to Tor. When the rest of the race returned from hiding, Torment started the training program again, and this time opened tryouts to female and non-aristocrats. After Excor's failed assassination attempt on Wrath in his bid for the throne, Wrath promised Torment he would have the honor of executing Excor. Rosalinda was a naive, useless, spoiled brat who thought that even the most basic of activities, like cutting up her own food, were beneath her. In 1671, she was kidnapped by an unnamed sympath who had believed her to be his mate. Torment and Darius, who had been hired by her father, Samson, to find her and bring her back alive, kill the sympath and rescue her. By the Glymira's moors, she was considered a shameful burden to her family without her virginity, and Samson's disavowed her in order to save his family standing. Emotionally broken, Rosalinda begrudgingly lived with her two saviors until the birth of her daughter. Moments after Hexania was born, Rosalinda gave in to the despair that had tormented her since her abduction and killed herself. As a result of her suicide, she was caught in the in-between and could not pass into the fade. As she's been given a rather rotten deal the first time around, the scribe virgin took pity on her and transformed her spirit to the chosen sanctuary where Rosalinda went by the name of No One and served the scribe virgin and the chosen for centuries. Over that time, her spirit became corporal through means which are as yet unclear, and she regained a physical body. For a long time, she was very angry over what had happened to her. But she learned compassion and empathy from the chosen. She took to wearing robes with hoods that obscured her face because the chosen fixated on her body rather than who she was. Since she rarely spoke to anyone, and her most notable trait was her limp, 
The Chosen tended to avoid her because she made them uncomfortable. When no one learned that her blooded daughter was getting mated to John Matthew, she crossed over from the sanctuary to earth to be there for her. She stayed hoping to fix their relationship with her only child and maybe have a part in her life now. Working in the Brotherhood Mansion in the capacity of a servant to avoid being alone with her thoughts, and as a sort of penance of humility, no one slowly became coming out of her shell, learning to live again with the help of her daughter and by being around the lovely couples within the mansion. To her surprise, she began to have feelings for torment, who had suffered through the death of his first Shellen, Alessandra. Their relationship was a rocky one, each of them working through their own personal demons. No one had to realize that by continuing to punish herself instead of choosing to move on, she was stuck in the in-between. As part of her decision to start living again, she changed her name to the one that Tor suggested, Autumn. Once she was freed from her own purgatory, Lassiter made a personal sacrifice to keep her on earth with Tor instead of going directly to the Fade. In the end, she and Torment discovered separately and together that life doesn't end as a result of a single great tragedy and that second chances can be a wonderful thing. Book 11. Lover at Last Quinn, son of no one, is used to being on his own. Disavowed by his bloodline, shunned by the aristocracy, he has found an identity as a brutal fighter in a war against the lessening society. But his life is not complete. Even as the prospect of having a family of his own seems within reach, he is empty on the inside, his heart given to another. Blay, after years of unrequited love, has moved on from his feelings for Quinn. And it's about time. It seems Quinn has found his perfect match in a chosen female, as they're going to have a young. It's hard for Blay to see the new couple together, but building your life around a pipe dream is just a heartbreak waiting to happen. And Quinn needs to come to terms with some dark things before he can move forward. Fate seems to have taken these vampire soldiers in different directions. But as the battle of the races thrown intensifies, and new players on the scene in Caldwell create mortal danger for the Brotherhood, Quinn learns the true meaning of courage, and two hearts meant to be together finally become one. Quinn was the second son and third child of one of the six founding families of the Glymira, and was born with one blue eye and one green eye. Since heterochromia is considered a defect by the Glymira, his parents were emotionally and mentally abusive, providing him with little more than a roof over his head. He resorted to selling red smoke to afford clothes. For example, his mother insisted he used the servants' stairs instead of the main ones. He was banned from family events, and the family often made gestures intended to ward off evil whenever they saw him. The servants, following the example of the family, refused to touch his clothes so he had to wash them himself. 
Baylock became his closest friend and the home of his parents, Rock and Lyric, who didn't think twice of the color of his eyes, became his refuge. Together, they joined the Black Dagger Brotherhood's training program as pre-teens when they met John Matthews. And the three of them became fast friends. Blay was the first to go through his transition, followed by Quinn, and then John Matthew. After his transition, Quinn became quite sexually promiscuous, primarily with women and females. This put somewhat of a strain on his relationship with Blay, who had feelings for him. Still hungry for acceptance, Quinn told Blay that he wanted a traditional mating with a female of worth and young, the whole white picket fence thing, so there was no future for them ever. Quinn killed his cousin Lash in defense of John Matthew, which was the last straw for his family. They promptly informed him via Dodgen that he was disowned. To leave the house immediately and to provide some blood for a ritual to purify the home of his presence. That same night, the family sent an honor guard to corporally punish Quinn for bringing shame upon the family. It was only through the intervention of his brother Luchas, who was among the guard, and the arrival of Blay and John that kept them from killing him outright. He still might have died if Blay and John hadn't reached out to Doc Jane for help and she then brought him to the Brotherhood's clinic for treatment. After interviewing Quinn and the incident and his motives, Rath rectoactively named him Asterix Nostrum to John Matthew in order to avoid imprisonment, followed by lifelong servitude to Lash's family. As part of his new duties, Quinn moved into the suite next to John's in the mansion. During the raids led by Lash, Quinn's blooded father, mother, and sister were all murdered. Lucius was tortured and suspended, unconscious, in a barrel of the Omega's black essence. For a purpose known, he was eventually found and rescued by Quinn and admitted that he'd never liked how their father treated Quinn, but hadn't had the courage to speak up against Lowstrung. That went a long way towards building their relationship but it took a step back when Lucia's leg had to be amputated and Quinn had to give consent on his behalf. Lucius held Quinn responsible for what he saw as a mutilation. When Layla went into her kneading, she asked him to service her so they could have a child together, since they both wanted a family to love and be loved in return, even though they didn't have romantic feelings towards each other. That situation led Blaylock to believe that Quinn was in love with Layla. Blaylock is the only child of Rock and Lyric, who raised him to be rather down-to-earth compared to other members of the Glymira. When Rock once caught him stealing cigarettes from a dodgen, he made Blay smoke an entire pack unfiltered camels until he was sick and never wanted to touch another cigarette again. As preteens, he and Quinn became best friends, and Quinn was treated as a member of the family. They joined the Brotherhood's training program together, where they met John Matthew. He was the first of the trio to go through his transition. Initially, Blay engaged somewhat half-heartedly in a heterosexual activity after his transition. Sometimes participating in a threesome with females and Quinn at the club they visited. 
After a few particularly ugly arguments with Quinn, who outed him to John Matthew in telling him that Blay's been in love with him for a long time. Blaylock admitted to himself that he was gay and stopped having sex with females altogether. During the raids, Blay and Quinn helped fight off the lessers, who attacked Rock and Lyric in their home and got them out of town safely. Blay stayed behind to help the Brotherhood fight against their enemies. In an attempt to stop pining after Quinn and move on with his life, Blay takes up his first relationship with Saxton. Blay described their relationship as a deep sexual connection that is safe. However, Blay was still torn up over Quinn, especially when he serviced Layla during a needing period because he was convinced that Quinn would finally get the respectable mating and family he always said he wanted. Saxton fell in love with Blay, but had to break up with him because he knew that Blay was still in love with Quinn and not him. Book 12 the king. Long live the king. After turning his back on the throne for centuries, Wrath, son of Wrath, finally assumed his father's mantle with the help of his beloved mate. But the crown sits heavily on his head. As the war with the lessening society rages on and the threat from the band of bastards truly hits home, he is forced to make choices that put everything and everyone at risk. Beth Randall thought she knew what she was getting into when she made it the last pure-blooded vampire on the planet. An easy ride was not it. But when she decides she wants a child, she's unprepared for Wrath's response or the distance it creates between them. The question is, will true love win out? Or tortured legacy take over? The last pure-blooded vampire, Wrath was born to Father Wrath the Fair in Anya, the year 1665. In 1672, Wrath was brought by his father to his first meeting with the Brotherhood. His first lesson in statecraft was when his father had him memorize the names and locations of the graves of the traitors who attempted to assassinate Wrath the Fair, even witnessing four of them. In 1677, at the age of 20, his parents faced a tragic death to the lessers. He was only able to survive because his father hid him away while he watched. I'll bet with partially impaired vision, the lessers murdered his family. Left alone in the world, he worked as a stable boy and was barely able to keep himself fed. His transition came to hit him in 1690, and he was young and confused because his parents hadn't explained the process. A female vampire that appeared to him in a dreamlike state fed him. He grew six inches, developed muscle, and developed the physical strength to avenge his parents. Wrath eschewed the throne, devoting himself to hunting the lessening society over the next few hundred years instead. In 1739, Darius brings Vicious to meet him. In 1917, Wrath meets Fury and Zadis for the first time. In 1932, Wrath is asked by Darius to honor the last rites as Fury is on the brink of death. Fury manages to live. In 1958, Wrath was in an accident by an Edsel, which was driven by a human man and his wife as a passenger while Wrath was chasing a lesser. Torment deals with the humans and then he takes 
Rath to Haver's clinic. Rath wakes up a day later. The day after that, he checked himself out of the clinic without saying a word to anyone who cared for or worried about him. He was a toxic person. In 1985, Rath made the decision to kick out murder from the Brotherhood because he deemed him mentally unstable and dangerous. In 2005, Darius asks him to help his daughter Beth through her transition. Since Rath is a pure blood and Beth is a half-breed, her chance of surviving by taking his blood are high. Already having a shellin, and not really feeling right about the situation, he denied his request, asking to find someone else. After Darius's death, he felt obligated to watch over her. They quickly fell for each other, and Rath releases Marissa from their engagement. Rath then helped Beth go through her transition and bonded to her. Rath and Beth made it, and she became his queen. Havers received the news that Rath had let go of Marissa and approached Zadis to hire him to kill Rath for the disgrace to his sister. When Z warned Rath, the king allowed Havers to live despite his treacherous ways. Rath stepped down from active duty as a brother in the field and stepped into the role of king of his people. Since becoming king, Rath lives by his favorite quote, rule by the heart and by the fist. As demonstrated by his refusal to play Glymira games, he even disbanded the council, preferring to work directly with people rather than allowing the council to dictate issues for the race according to their own goals and corruption. His eyesight had always been weak and especially sensitive to light. It worsened over time until he eventually became entirely blind. He always felt inferior about it, but hadn't fully realized it until Beth was pregnant with L.W. Elizabeth is the blooded daughter of Darius, who openly claimed to have loved Beth's human mother. Whether that love was reciprocated remains unknown. At some point during the relationship, Beth's mother realized what her lover really was, and out of fear or anger, or both, she left him without informing him that she was pregnant at the time. It wasn't until Beth's mother was about to give birth that she contacted Darius again. Fritz, Darius's dodgin, speculates that Beth's mother reached out because she was afraid of what she was bringing into the world. Beth's mother went into labor and was brought to St. Francis Hospital before Darius could reach her. After Beth was born, her mother lived long enough to tell the nurse that the father of her child was dead. She then died of extreme blood loss, leaving behind a baby girl that appeared in every way to be fully human. As a newborn, Beth spent time in the neonatal intensive care unit before going home with a nurse from the hospital. Darius was left with watching over her from the shadows, knowing that as a brother fighting in a war against the lessers, he couldn't be the father Beth would need. Darius had secretly hoped that the nurse would adopt his daughter. However, the hospital soon made the nurse give Beth back. Beth then went into a foster care system, where she lived with many families until she came of age. Her first family was the McWilliams family, who lived on Elmwood Avenue in Caldwell. But when Beth came down with pneumonia, the McWilliams sent her back to the hospital. After that, she went on to the Ryans family. But there were too many children already living there. 
Beth then went to go live with the Goldrich family, who kept her until Mrs. Goldrich became pregnant. Beth was ultimately shipped off to an orphanage, which Fritz claimed that Darius could not stand because the orphanage administrators wouldn't let Beth out to play often enough. As a teenager, Beth wrote articles for her high school newspaper, and then again for her college newspaper when she went off to university. Beth was studious and attended college on an academic scholarship. When graduation time came, around Darius sent Fritz to Beth's ceremony so that he could have pictures of her receiving her degree. After graduation, Beth took a job with the Caldwell Courier Journal as a reporter of local news. Beth was not aware that her whole life her father had been watching over her. She never got to know the truth because her father had been a tragic accident. Her first conscious encounter with a member of the Brotherhood came one night as she prepared for bed. Her black cat, Boo, was restlessly pacing near her sliding glass door in her apartment. When she looked out to see what had captured Boo's attention, she noticed a large, tall man in the shadows watching her. Wrath. Wrath, son of Wrath, had been sent to her by a letter left behind by Darius because he wanted to make sure that his daughter lived through to the transition. He came in her apartment to talk to her, but instead ended up scaring her half to death. He erased the memory of their meeting, and she had no recollection of it until the next meeting, when things seemed too familiar. Wrath helps her go through her transition, and she ends up being bonded too, because she is now the Shallan to the King of Vampires. She is known as the Queen. In my next episode, we're going to continue with the next few books of my favorite series from J.R. Ward, The Black Dagger Brotherhood. Thank you for spending time with me today. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Feel free to leave a review and subscribe to my show. Thank you again. And remember, dream big and keep reading.